This is Daizenshu EX, the podcast, episode 44, for the week of September 24th, 2006. Welcome to Daisenshu EX, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Daisenshu EX. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. And uh, my name is Andrew Deluxe. And I'm here with Vegito EX, the man, the myth, the legend, and his. Is is he the side? Is he your sidekick or are you the sidekick? I'm I'm, I'm gonna be neutral here and just say his partner in crime. <laughs> That's equal. I like that. Mary C. So, uh, back to you. <laughs> it was never with me to begin with. Oh yeah, there's, I was there's, with you. There's Julian. You gotta introduce him. Oh, and then there's Julian, my invisible friend, who I can't see, but he's here, and he, yes. Mike tells me he's not just a voice in my head. Be careful, your invisible friend might come over there and strangle you. <laughs> anyway, where were we? You were in New York. We were in New Jersey. So I drive. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hello. This is episode 44, is it? That 44. it is. Yeah, it, uh, it is. We're on episode 44, and we're recording um, several days early. It's Tuesday. The public doesn't need to know that. You have to maintain the illusion that we're always prompt and on time. Yeah, I know. It's like the Daily Show. They're not really live, but that spoils the fun. And it screws up some of the jokes if they, you know, <laughs> admit to, you know, being delayed. Well, they can have some fun at the, at the expense of that, you know. That's true. Like, we can make predictions about later in the week and act <laughs> as though they really happen. That'll be great, because we have no news at all. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when it turned out that Dragon Ball was completely re-released in these deluxe box sets out of nowhere? I do remember that. That was awesome. Yeah, that was an awesome Thursday. Tell you what. <laughs> oh my god, that was awesome this this last weekend where Akira Toriyama came to our house. We made dinner for him. Uh, that was weekend. newsworthy. <laughs> then he no, came... no, no, no. It, it has to be during the time that we're... Uh, never mind. I was going to say he came out of the bathroom and he was like, you have to see this one. <laughs> and for some uh. reason, even in real life, it was all swirly and it had eyes and it said, I'm a poop. It was amazing. You scared me. But none of this actually happened because it's only Tuesday. <laughs> We're recording early because in two days we will be on a plane down to Atlanta for Anime Weekend Atlanta. Yeah, so if you're down there, um, well, I guess you will be hearing this. <laughs> By the time you hear this, the convention will be over. We'll be back, and it's kind of irrelevant. So you retroactively <laughs> say hello. So you can us. tell everyone all the prizes you won at AWA then. Oh, my God. Um, we, no, we didn't, I'm going to say we didn't get anything. Yeah, that's plain and safe. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> accurate, too. That's okay. Aww. It's easiest to lowball it and then hope for the best. <laughs> We're taking it easy tonight because uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about. There's no news. There's not much coming out. But we got a fun topic. We're going to chill and discuss, and we're going to have an episode, even though we're going to be in Atlanta. So that'll be uh, pretty cool. That's dedication. It is. So shall we get on into the news? Yes, sir. Julian, what's the news for this week? What news? You know, the news, right? The Oh, yes, the, the news. You remem that, that... remember to find stuff, right? Well, I thought, I thought that was your job, Mike. I thought that was Mary's job. I fell asleep on the oh. job. I thought it was the Daily Show's job. Yes. And uh, I hear your podcast is often compared to the Daily Show. I've heard this um, once, and that was this evening when you said it. I didn't say it. Julian said it. I did? S someone's voice. Uh, what this comes down to is that there's absolutely no news. Of course, yes. it's only a couple days after we recorded the last episode, so nothing's happened. But if something does happen, you can bet it'll be on the site whenever we get back That's to New true. Jersey. So if something really huge breaks, well, wait, Julian's Julian going to be around. It. Julian can update with Julian something. Julian can make it all I better. Can? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're in charge of news for the next few days. Do something. Make it work. Okay. Um, so we're done with news. That was fantastic. I enjoyed this news segment. That has been my favorite news segment that you have done all year. Topic? Topic. Topic! Well, to totally change the course of this episode, we're going to have a stimulating intellectual conversation about gender roles, believe it or not. Wow. Yes, we're bringing Dai's Entry X, the podcast, up to academic levels with this discussion. Mary, you wanted to do this one. Yeah, so yeah. So take it away. Well, obviously, Dragon Ball is a shonen, which means inherently manly things happen, 
And occasionally they'll sprinkle women around, sometimes as eye candy, sometimes as useful people. Um, Dragon Ball kinda does a little bit of both. Obviously this isn't a show focused on women, but they do have their roles. And if you were to say they have their place, well, I guess you can say they have their places in various places. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, she, she means directly under the man. <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, Chi Chi's in the kitchen, blah, 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 blah. But is she really in the kitchen? Yes. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, someone else is going to have to take it. Mary okay. comes up with the ideas and then she kind of leaves it at that. Well, 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 why don't I go from here? Okay. First, I think it's helpful to explain what we mean by shonen. Well, um, anime and ma manga in Japan tend to be broken up a little bit by, not so much by their subject matter, but by the demographic they're aimed at. And so shonen is aimed at basically boys in their like late childhood, early teens. And then you also have shoujo, which is aimed at girls roughly the same age. And then moving forward, you also have uh, seinen and josei, which is aimed at young men and young women, respectively. So this Dragon Ball is a very shonen manga. It's aimed at your early teenage guys. Of course, it's enjoyed by a broader audience, but that's the core demographic. And, well, in this context, we have some female characters, uh, but they're not really the focus of the series. So what do they do in the series, really? What Are they important? Are they extraneous? How much weight do they really hold within the context of Dragon Ball proper? And that's what we're talking about today. I think maybe it's best if maybe we break this down and look at the individual female characters in the series. Yeah. And look at them from the perspective of basically gender relations. Both stereotypes, uh, quote-unquote expected roles, and right. what they actually do. And so looking at Chi-Chi first, because she happens to be one of the early-on characters. Not the earliest, since Bulma appears before her, but... Right. Uh, quite early on, and is a very young person. She appears very, first of all, as kind of almost this innocent, idealized girl who also has a quick temper and can blow things up. <laughs> she's got an axe on her head. And so in that respect, it's, I don't know, she's very little girlish. She doesn't have a whole lot of character development because she only appears for a couple of chapters. No, there's nothing to her. She's just a little girl, and she kind of blushes. She's got the Yamcha thing going on. She's... Yeah, Very, she, she's enthralled by men, almost. She, yeah, she almost immediately latches onto Goku, too. She's like, okay, you're going to be my husband. So yes. she seems and, like, you know, she wants that role of a wife, even though she's a little, little girl. Right. That's kind of Because creepy. that's every Japanese woman's dream, as is the stereotype, right. to oh, cling on to the man at all costs. Only later on do they realize how bad an idea that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's why infidelity is the norm in Japan. Is there any infidelity <laughs> in Dragon Ball? I'm surprised uh, there isn't, the considering how often Goku's dead. Chi-Chi's pretty uh, damn loyal. When we get to Bulma, we might be able to discuss something like that, but... That's true. Uh, I don't know Nothing if we with could Chi -Chi. Really say that with anybody else. But, uh, anyway, but Chi-Chi doesn't really develop a character until much later on, when suddenly she comes back and she's, what, 18 or 19? Right. And suddenly she's this firebrand with a very short temper and still madly in love with Goku for whatever reason. What I like about her at this age is that she's very, very angry and very, very strong, but within the drop of a hat, she's just right back to that totally... She's practically submissive. She's throwing herself at him, literally. I mean, he's like, why are you holding on to my arm? She's just all over him. And that, that too, is something that appears somewhat in Japanese material in general, is this idea of this girl who's standoffish until finally she breaks down and she's all happy and cuddly and blah. But <laughs> um, that women uh, are just an emotional mess. Just look at that Super Princess Peach game I always think of, <laughs> where she's just furious one second, then she's sad, and then she's super happy. So, so for, further definitely gets to gender stereotypes. <laughs> Chi-Chi is... Um, well, well, she could change at the drop of the hat, I suppose. But it's, it's also interesting to note that she's very determined in what she's doing. But, I mean, you could raise a question of how much depth there actually is there. Because, obviously, she still considers herself to be destined to be Goku's wife. And, though she does. But her main motivation for fighting in the tournament at all is basically to get her to notice her, it seems. You know, but, at any given point that Chi-Chi's in the series, I almost want to say she's very one-dimensional. Because just pick any specific age, and then what you see is what you get for her. Right, because mm -hmm. after, you know, the age that she's 18, 19, it's boom, five years later, she's been married, she now has a kid, and she's already in that role of, you know, wise mother. mother. She's suddenly obsessed with, like, the whole schooling of her child and making yes. sure... 
He has and, a good future. And in Japan, that has a name. It is called Kyoiku Mama, or the Education Mother. They are incredibly obsessed with the success of their children, and that's you could. There's often parallels drawn to the fact that, um, especially in white-collar households, how the man, as a salaryman, is constantly away from the house, either doing work or drinking with his office buddies in order to foster the harmonious office environment or whatever you want. Um, so the mother becomes very focused on the upbringing of her child to the point that it kind of is an obsession. And That's this, what we see. I mean, that's and, really it. So in some, in some respects, you could say that Chi-Chi kind of goes from one stereotype to another, but during that times, you also see elements of kind of subversion because she is very strong for a human. She has a lot of power, and really, it's only in comparison to the incredibly, insanely strong other characters that she seems like a weakling. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, she plays mostly the role of the mother after that point, but there are times where you can clearly see that she has quite a bit of influence over other male characters because they're kind of afraid of her. <laughs> and I believe uh, Muten Roshi actually brings this up at one point, and she uh, is not happy about that. Well, she don't take no crap from him. No. In fact, no one really does. And yet he still goes after them. And, and that's another um, thing that we could probably talk about with regards to Bulma. And maybe it's best if we move on to Bulma now because we've kind of exhausted everything. Chi-Chi. Yeah, there's, there's really nothing else to Chi-Chi. Like I said, what you see is what you get with her. Bulma has a little more development to her, though, if only yes. because she's introduced so early and she stays slightly more in the forefront than other characters, mm-hmm. other female characters anyways. Right. Now, early on, she seems kind of your, I don't know, teenager, happy-go-lucky, but I don't know, a little bit of a short fuse, but it's more played for laughs because she's really annoyed at Goku and his, you know, country bumpkin um, <laughs> mannerisms, to say the least. But that she, um, and she also immediately, well, within the first few chapters, uses what people like to call her feminine wiles in order to get things that she wants. <laughs> and that's true. She's like, touch my butt for me, and I'll give you the, whatever you want. So immediately what you see, she's kind of a very pragmatic individual in some ways and also someone who kind of plays certain gender stereotypes to her own advantage but at the same time she also kind of fits into typical roles in some respects because she is in many respects very quote-unquote girly even though she does have she does seem to be smarter than yeah, uh, than some female characters out there in shonen manga. That's and in true. particular, she seems to be very annoyed at the rather thick-headedness of all the men that she's stuck with. Yeah, uh, she actually notices it compared to other people. Yeah, she does have the very almost stereotypical wish of finding a boyfriend. I believe is yeah is her main motivation for getting the Dragon Ball. So clearly, there's some very gendered things in there too. But she's obviously a very take-charge individual because she's going on this hunt across the earth, you know, by herself, which is not something you'd find, you know, a a sort of damsel in distress kind of character doing. What I want to talk about is how much she may or may not have grown as a female character Uh, over the course of the series. Because like Chi-Chi, she does turn into a mother. And how does that affect how she was? We really don't see her raise trunks in the way that we see Chi-Chi trying to raise Gohan. You know what? Is it the grandparents that raise trunks? You know what? I see well, more of them. They all seem to live together, <laughs> right? Actually, and in some ways, you feel like Trunks has more influence from his father. Yeah, <laughs> but that well, that could also his dad's actually his, around. <laughs> yeah, well, that also because his his you know the rest of his family is pretty easygoing, and Vegeta is the only intense one. But I mean, with regards to Bulma, you also find out later on that she's a technical genius, which isn't immediately apparent. Right. Uh, she might have made some offhand comment about constructing the Dragon Radar very early on, but it's it's kind of tossed away and forgotten about for you know, a year or two <laughs> until she comes back into the fold during the Red Ribbon arc and turns out to be a very technically skilled individual. And, and that too seems to be a little bit of breaking the mold because she has legitimate skills that she can put to use uh, among the heroes, even if she can't fight, per se. <clears throat> well, uh, it's just that at, at times she seems to break the standard mold for the female sort of damsel in distress kind of character by being able and capable, but at the same time, she also gets herself into situations where she still needs to be rescued. Like all the early Namek filler stuff. Oh, God, Mm. yeah. That's true. So even 
I mean, even though she is a very capable character on her own, she still has seemingly inherent limitations in some respects. So maybe in some respects she kind of fits the mold at the same time that she breaks other aspects of it. Does she play any other roles? We've got her being the damsel in distress. We've got her being, you know, the uh, the leader almost. And then we've got her being the, the mother. And the genius. That covers, like, any role that she possibly could Basically. take. I mean, very early on, she has a role as almost a sex object in certain situations, particularly yeah. with... But it's it, she's using it to her own advantage because she's trying to get something out of these men by distracting them momentarily. So but, Bulma's a, a sexy feminist is what we're getting at, I guess. I guess? I don't know. She's also <laughs> extremely self-involved more than the other female characters. She seems to That's be true. aware that she's hot and she's always trying to... She was very I mean, proud of her bust size. She has. <laughs> She's always changing her hairdo and whatnot. Yes, that's true. And, I mean, she's the only character in the series that you see with, you know, more than one significant other over the course of the series because she starts out, you know, eventually getting with Yamcha and then eventually dumping him and going with Vegeta. And in between, I have to imagine she was off some dates with some other people because they have some pretty interesting words to each other at the 23rd Budokai, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they're they're not too friendly. (laughs) Uh, um, As things sometimes tend to go afterwards, but, you know. So is there anything else to say about her? Well, I I think that she does in some ways become a motherly figure later on, but she's not in the same way that Chi-Chi is. No, definitely not. She doesn't make it her inherent role. She's not... The, the good housewife and mother stereotype. Uh, she seems very content to take almost a leadership position, and maybe uh, she's much more easygoing as well. And I don't know, maybe that makes her a better mother in some ways, maybe it doesn't, I really have no idea. I wish, you know, Trunks from the main timeline turned out a little less dopey than he does. <laughs> That's Toriyama's fault. It's true. Well, I actually want to continue onwards into number 18 right now. And the reason I want to do that is it just dawned on me that all of these female characters that take some kind of main lead at some point in the series end up getting hitched and becoming a mother. That's true. That includes number 18. Yeah, because when you think of number 18, you immediately think to the early Cell stuff where she's a villain, she's kicking ass, she beat the shit out of Vegeta. Fast forward a few years and she's got a kid and she's settled down and she's playing poker. Yeah. And, and and that, too, seems to be kind of a stereotype. And and there's hints early on in the series that Karidin is kind of... I don't know. It, it's it's almost like she was set up to be a very unlikely kind of romantic interest. Yeah. Although Toriyama himself says he doesn't like actually showing such things, so <laughs> it's always left to insinuation rather right. than actual, you know, lovey-dovey stuff. But it, it's... I don't know. In some ways, it's part of her character arc because she goes from being a very cold, sort of emotionless-type individual to someone who actually cares about the people around her and isn't... You know, dead to the world-ish. And but, even then, she she still kind of tries to play that character. Yeah. But she lets oh. some things slip through. And, and, and at the same time, though, she does sort of fit into this larger model of essentially being a parent to other characters, although she doesn't have any male children, which bucks the trend. That's true. Rest. That's what makes her different from the other ones. I mean, you, you could argue... Maybe Pan also fits that in terms of Videl, but hmm. Pan is also takes on much more typical aspects of the male characters than right. uh, the other female yeah, characters in the series. That's quite true. Well, you know what? Videl, the same thing with her. I don't even think of her as a mother until I really think about beginning of the character to the end of the character. We see her as a mother, not doing anything, sitting on the sidelines. Well, that's true, but you also see Gohan as a side character sitting on the sidelines. That's true. And we already talked about Gohan and what happened to him. Yeah. But that's actually but, really interesting about every single one of these characters where I, when I think of the characters, I think of their initial introduction and how, you know, kick-ass they are at that time. Yeah. I mean, let's just put it out there. He brings in these kick-ass female characters to really show them off and show how awesome they are. And then he just writes them into a corner with, eh, you're a mom now. And it, it, it seems to be that as the series goes on, he puts more female characters into positions where they're more prominent characters in the series. Right, definitely. Um, and that they do have more significant character development to them, but at the same time, they kind of end up the same way, whether that's just seen seen as a, a natural course in Japan, whereas it may well might be. And I mean, keep in mind that Toriyama is a child in the 1950s, so he... yeah. He, he's still 
he grew up with this kind of idea of a certain ethic, a certain way a family should be. And, and maybe that's different now in some ways, although in, in a lot of ways it's also still being promoted by the government, which is panicking <laughs> about the declining birth rate. But, <laughs> um, I actually want to take a break from the female characters and talk about that aspect for a little bit. And that's how females in general are brought into the series and what's done with them and what's right. left behind of them. Well, one character that's kind of left out there and interestingly enough is not a mother is a lunch. Yeah. She's put out there. She has no character development and Toriyama forgets about her. And at the same time, she was never assigned the mother role, so I'm not sure what that, that says like? about her. So are we really saying that a female character is introduced, and if they're not deliberately set up to become a mother character, they are that insignificant that even the author's going to forget about them? Well, I, I think, too, she was set up initially as a gag that... Uh, she was, was a throwaway character, really. Yeah useful later on. I think, too, she came about already as a very independent kind of way outside of the norm individual. And so she didn't really, you know, wherever she was from, she had her development and she stayed one-dimensional during the series. Yeah. Poor character. The author forgot about her. So what was your question? I don't know. (laughs) I think I wanted to talk about just females. Let's take it back, not just Dragon Ball, but Shonen in general, I guess. And how these female characters are used. Because, I mean, let's do the obvious comparison. Dragon Ball versus Naruto. Naruto's got a plethora of young female characters who all kick ass and all get a little bit of development. Not as much as the male characters, but they're there. So we've kind of got this generational difference in what's different about them. Right. And, I mean, too, also in in things like One Piece, you have a lot more prominent female characters. Oh, definitely. Including uh, capable fighting members of the main crew. Let's just complete the circle. We'll do Dragon Ball, One Piece, and Naruto comparisons. Okay. (laughs) So let's take the first female character that's introduced in each series. Let's compare all of them. All right. We've got Bulma. Mm -hmm. We've got Nami. And we've got Sakura. So one thing off the bat I can kind of think of is that Nami and Bulma are both greedy. Yes. And that's one female stereotype, mm. being concerned with like money and material things, okay. and stuff like that. With Nami, it's set up in, in her backstory as to right, why right. she's like that. But right. At the same time, maybe it's kind of a stereotype. To play off of that, Bulma and Sakura are obsessed with men. Nami, she kind of plays that... I'll she, use men to my advantage. I'll, I'll use them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of like Bulma. Kind of like Bulma, but I think Bulma's genuinely gaga. True. Like, she'll let herself herself get conquered every once in a while, and Nami's not that stupid. No. Hmm. Instead, she, you know, uses Sanji's affection for her to her advantage when she wants something done. And (laughs) sort of she just keeps tricking into, you know, being in debt to her, even though he doesn't want to be, and he tries to avoid it. Let's talk about mothers across the three series. And this is kind of hard to do because Naruto and One Piece are really within the same generation and Dragon Ball's before them. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to talk about Naruto, we got to mention One Piece. If we mention One Piece, we got to talk about Naruto. So parents and mothers in specific, mothers in specific, you know what I mean. Particular. <laughs> um, exactly. We see dual parents in Dragon Ball. We see a little bit. In Naruto. We see a lot of orphans in Naruto. And One Piece. And One Piece. Well, anytime we see a parent in One Piece, it's always through a flashback. And someone's going to die. Right. Yes. (laughs) Um, But really, across all three series, are parents that important? Not really. I mean... It's more like as as long as the character is there. Right. They're crucial to getting the character where they are, but after that, they're kind of in background. And that's kind of what I want to say about the mothers in Dragon Ball and Shonen in general. They seem to be plot devices to get more male characters. Anyone want to play off of that? Something I never thought of. As we've got Bulma, and she's in the series. She's by the time Frieza comes around, she's played her part. There's nothing left to do with her. So what? What do you do with her? You knock her up. Knock her up. Give her a kid. I mean, really, what else can you do with her at that point? Same goes with Chi-Chi. Same goes with Eighteen. Same went with Videl. I think Eighteen might have had a bit more potential just because she was so new. I agree. Author never did is, anything with it. She is brought back into the spotlight in GT, but that opens up another can of worms. I really enjoyed that. You you felt for her when he died for the fourth time. <laughs> Even if it was for the fourth time, it's like, oh, man. She really, really seemed to care about him. And we we saw hints of that at the end of Z, but she was always just like, you know, go get some money. <laughs> yeah. The way she treats him it. and the way she acts towards him when he's not around are different. Right. It's very true. 
other than mothers, what else do these female characters do? They fight. Almost all of them are fighters, like Videl is. In Dragon Ball. They do yeah. seem rather predisposed to violence, even if they aren't fighting characters, like Bulma. Right. <laughs> well, compare uh, that to the end of the series when we get Marin and Bra. Yeah, they sit around not doing nothing. Fighters. They're, they're very stereotypical. Like, well, they're not teenage girls. They're little tiny, but right. they, in GT, they're presented as very standard teenage girls. Right. Well, they, you know, we've had a lot of people tell us, oh, get into a little more GT. You're always bashing GT. Well, let's talk about GT. What did they do with those two characters? Um, Bra went shopping with Vegeta. <laughs> and I would have loved to have seen more of Marin for whatever reason. I, I liked her character design a lot. I wanted yeah, to know what's in her head, cute. but they didn't. They showed her like crying for mommy and daddy. All they did anything with was Pan. And really because she was the main character's main character's child, you know. Yeah, and, and really it, she's set up at the end of Z to be another hero in, in the same vein as Goku and that kind of thing. Even if Goku goes off to train Ooh. <laughs> so she she's essentially like the, the male protagonist of that generation. Yeah. Um, she she fulfills a role that is not female, and although she does have some feminized characteristics in definitely, GT, definitely. she she's still presented as kind of one of the guys. Yeah, she's, she's just very much tomboy. the tomboy. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we've totally exhausted the female characters, and that makes me sad because is there really no depth to get into with them? And why are they so one-dimensional? Is it that the the artists are males and they don't quite understand the female psyche, or is it because the audience is male and they think they may not be that interested? And um, what effect does it have on the kids? Is it sort of that's true? Do they sort of just hang in their little boys' club? I mean, Japan is kind of a kind of a boys' club as it is. And All then- right. Well, let's bring you in here because you were teaching children of this age that they are these things are targeted at right with these kids did the boys and the girls play together not really um you know i was i was teaching mostly when when they're in elementary school they did play mm-hmm. quite a bit together uh but as soon as i got in the middle school it was really separated yeah. boys and girls on purpose and- or just like self-imposed it was self-imposed really i mean one of the things that I had them do once. Uh, I do this once in a while with the kids. Is I would have them stand up, and they would have to ask. They'd have to choose somebody mm-hmm. and ask them a question. The person would have to answer the question in English, and then the person who asked can sit down, and the person who was asked chooses someone else. And generally, I would start off, right? And if I picked a boy, then it would go through all the boys. The boys would mm-hmm. only pick other boys until it was one boy left. Right. And then there was nothing left but girls, and you could see the kids sweating, <laughs> and he didn't know what girl to pick, and he'd probably just choose the closest one to him. Yeah. And it was the same way the other way around. Um, usually the girls yeah, would, would pick the boys. Sometimes I would egg them on, you know, don't pick just your friends or don't pick just uh, uh, guys and girls. And it they're just really socially awkward. And yeah. You know, part part of me thinks it's it's hormones. That's, that's um, very true. Um, but I don't know if if you know society in general plays and uh, what what society's role is that, that that they're so awkward with each other. Yeah. Because I was, I mean, you have a little bit like you have a little bit of that in American middle school, but yeah, it's not, kind of the same way. But not nearly to the extent that it is over there. Yeah. I mean, it would often seem that they're afraid to talk to the boys and girls uh the to the opposite sex but i know that they do because i've asked them uh on uh valentine's day and the male version of valentine's day white day mm-hmm. you know did you get chocolates from somebody did you receive chocolates and you received them from the opposite sex and a number of them said yes although they would never tell me from who <laughs> of course uh, not so they do have some kind of interaction, but it seems like they keep it like top secret. Interesting. What I want to go now is the root of the author, the author's gender and what they write. What author do we have that's female and writes shonen? Rumiko Takahashi. That's yes. the big one that comes to mind. Well, what's different about Rumiko Takahashi shonen from, say, Toriyama's or Oda's or Kishimoto's? Well, she has a female main character for one in, well, in Inuyasha at least. <laughs> And I think in, in general, the female characters tend to be more well-developed. But at the same time, you still have things like Lama, where the, the girls are all basically... That's where I want to Rama. go. I actually want to do a comparison. This is slightly going off of Dragon Ball, but we're pulling in like older works. I want to do Dr. Slump and Uruse Yatsura, because it's the same era of gag manga. 
and we've got the uh, the male author versus the female author. What's different about these two? We've got one that's all about poop, and we've got one that's all about like weird situations. The weird situations in Urusayatsu are all stem just from the initial initial initial. <laughs> they all stem from the initial relationship of you know Lombard Atoru, who is voiced by Toshio Furukawa, who's Piccolo, <laughs> which is so, so bizarre. So and here's your lecherous character, and then and then there's Piccolo. <laughs> So, what's the author's view on these things? I mean, does one gender not get the other gender? And did that carry over into the later works? There's a lot of females in UI. There's a lot of females in Ranma. Almost all the gags, though, are relationship-based. Right. Or have some kind of sexy twist to them. That's true. That's that's all Takahashi was doing in Ranma, was all relationship stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything was based around, oh, who's going to marry Ranma? Blah, 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 like, blah. Like, here's the next fiancé that's here to kill you, but then she loves you. Right. And like we were talking about in Dragon Ball, there's always, with the exception of Bulma, we kind of see her with Yamcha, and then she goes to Vegeta. Everyone's very monogamous, and we only see set couples. And they never verge away from those. What's interesting about Ranma is that it's still a shonen. It still has action, but it's very, very, very relationship heavy. Yeah. So I don't know. Is that because it's written by a woman? Could be. That's really interesting. I don't know what else to say about that because I'm not a woman. I was obsessed with Ranma far before <laughs> I was obsessed with Dragon Ball and, yeah, a little bit of the action, but it was because of the relationship. Okay, as, as a female fan then, you were into Ranma before you were into Dragon Ball. Right. Well, compare you two fandoms at that age. I liked both of the shows because of the characters, so I don't know if that is because of my gender or they're just likable characters. Could could there have been a um, intentional? Could there have been intent to sort of cr- bridge the gap a little bit and and bring some female readers to something? That like could Rama? be it too. There and we've I think we've talked about this. And this was especially more prevalent back before Funimation got the series. There. Mary's told me this. There's a huge female audience for DBZ Online. That's right. All the fanfic authors were females. I can think of maybe like a half dozen or more sites back then that were big run by females. Too. Yeah. What was there's a big seventeen one, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Junon and a Ghost Temple. It's still it's around. Still up, right? I don't know if Jen's still running it, but um, it's certainly still around. What happened to them all? Well, like I said, that one's still around. Other girls just grew out of it. That's something interesting about the fandom back then, was that you only had a set amount of shows that were imported here to this country. You either got them domestically or you were able to get fan subs. There was no stigma about Dragon Ball because it was just another show. Right, so (laughs) you had these girls watching it probably because it was there and they probably liked it, but then I think more and more shoujo titles started coming out and I noticed a lot of female site owners They're like well i don't really That's like true. the show anymore i'm really into fushigi yugi now i was now. gonna say fushigi would have been one of the big ones that right. came yeah. over around that time i mean period. i was still i mean i i got obsessed with fushigi too but i still kept you know doing my dragon ball site you kept it real i kept and it real. eventually much further down the line you get you know inuyasha and all that stuff tons <laughs> of fangirls for that ranma from the creator of inuyasha oh That's just blasphemous. it pains me it pains me oh Oh, dear. Well, we talked about the author side. We've talked about the fan side and genders with all of those. Is there any other approach to take? Well, you mentioned the generation gap a bit earlier. Well, that's true. So we've got Toriyama writing Dragon Ball um, mid-80s when it started, and then went through the mid-90s. We've got... When did One Piece start, Julian? 1998. Uh, manga started in 1997. Anime wow. started in 1999. And Naruto's around the same time period. Yeah, Naruto, I think, started 1999, 2000 in the right. So there's kind of, a, really, they're two different generations of shows. What yeah. were we talking about? I've already... There's more gender equality in terms of the characters and their screen time, as Definitely. it were. Just so, there, there's an, uh, so there's real intention to make it a bit more diverse. I think it was definitely intentional. Because at this point in Japan, it's been proven that probably half of shonen titles are read by girls. I remember reading that statistic somewhere yeah. recently, I think on Anime News Network or somewhere else, that half the readership for Shonen Jump is like female. So they kind of have to pander to a female audience. But is that because they added more char- more female characters and more women got interested? Or was there something sort of culturally... Just uh, a cultural what, shift? Yeah, that they... That they started adding more and it got more female audience or was there That's an intention to try and draw in more I'm wondering, females? That's a good I, question. I hate to take it back to Naruto again and again, but I'm thinking there's a crap ton of characters in Naruto. You can watch the show and you will find at least one character that you can latch onto. 
What's interesting about Naruto, and I'm just speaking personally, is that none of the female characters I particularly like or find any, you know, I, I can't relate to any of them. No. You know, the closest I could think of is maybe Hinata. <laughs> like, oh, the shy Why? girl who likes the boy and is afraid to tell him, ooh. Everyone else is like a real bitch in that show. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, I've, I've never seen Naruto, but are the male characters that much more well-developed than the females? I think so. Um, yeah. Some of them. <laughs> Yeah. Other characters are more like, I don't know, either gags or they're just kind of there. There's plenty of the male characters in Naruto that are just shoved aside, too. Yeah. I mean, That's true. But Especially later on, how it becomes essentially Naruto versus Sasuke, and you get kind of side characters who come in and out of focus. Well, hey, Boo Saga, we've got Yamcha and Tenshinhan just standing right. off to the side, too. So I think that's I mean, just that kind of too. inevitable with every yeah. show. I mean, I mean, with One Piece, I like that they actually give significant screen time to all the characters. Right. But uh, that's kind of an exception to the rule. And we're, we're pulling it back to men here, but that's kind of what I liked about the DBZ movies. And movie three comes to mind in particular. Everyone got their little fight and it focused on all the characters and gave them screen time. But there were no like female fighters at that point. How about movie 10? Videl got a ton of screen time in movie 10. That's true. She's almost the main character in that movie. Movie 11, number 18's in it for a shit ton too. Yeah, but not <laughs> quite to the point that Videl was like a leading role in movie 10. That's true. Yes, her motivation is to get her money after all. Yeah. And Kududin comes in with a dun 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 and saves oh, her. Oh, <laughs> dear. He did hand motions too. It was scary. What, me? Uh, yes. I'm doing a little jig over here. <laughs> Sometimes I wish it was a video podcast. No, you really don't. It'd, it'd be very, very boring. There's lots of chords. We'll have to, <sighs> you'll have to have bottles of beer lying around, and then we'll make it look exciting. And hookers. We'll have hookers <laughs> dancing in the background. From the, corner, from the corner you, you by the dumpster. You have to clean up all this cat shit all over the place, too. We cleaned today. There was no cat shit. There was only cats. They're in the bedroom. Did we exhaust the topic? I think we did. I think but, we might have. But it got interesting. It I did. liked comparing it to I the other series. I was fully not planning about talking about any other series whatsoever. But with something like Dragon Ball, you almost have to compare it to other stuff just to show how times have changed. Yeah. It's interesting. We're talking about Dragon Ball in 2006. It's old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're old. We're old. Dragon Ball is almost as old as we are. That's very true. In fact, it started, the manga started before I was born. And the anime started when I was less than a year old. We should reiterate. I don't think we've said how old we are since, like, episode five or something. Yeah, and we've grown older since then. Yeah, by 44 weeks. <laughs> we've all had a birthday in that time, haven't we? That's true. Julian, how old are you? I am 21. Julian is 21. I am 24, right? Right. I think so. <laughs> I don't remember. Mary, how old are you? I'm 17. <laughs> I mean... Sweet. Uh, oh, God, I'm turning into my mother! <laughs> no, I'm 25. That's good. Andrew, how old are you? You're 25 now, right? I plead the fifth, but uh, I'm I'm just happy to say I'm not the oldest here. You're the second oldest here. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Not that you're a cast member, but... Inquiring minds want to know. Such as They mine. want to know about the deluxe. They do. Everyone needs to know more about the deluxe. It's true. But I'm like an enigma wrapped inside a mystery in a uh, Chinese... Uh, question box so you make sense is that how it works if it gets mysterious enough it loops back around to making sense maybe <laughs> i've confused you so i think it's time to move on with the episode i agree all right we're done with the females they were interesting while they lasted but they didn't last very long actually that that was a pretty in-depth conversation i was totally not expecting it to go that long That's or is good. it or as interesting so that was good but we're going to move on because now it's julian's turn to do something interesting as well my letter for this week is R. And so I thought I'd uh, take a moment to look at a couple of female characters who kind of start with R, at least in the Japanese. Oh, very, man, but... that never even occurred to me. All the really, um, really, really minor characters. Andrew, like, you were asking about skanks earlier, and uh, <laughs> here we go. Donphan? Yeah. Is that where you were going? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so she, she's in the 21st Budokai, and she is all about using her feminine wiles to get her way. In fact, she puts on airs of being an incompetent fighter and scared and just being weak in order to fool Namu into complacency. But then she goes on the attack, and he has to be able to close his eyes in order to actually, you know, fight against her because he has this thing about hitting women. Um, and, and there you have this kind of embedded cultural thing, right, already. But 
more importantly, after that, she realizes that in order to best him, she's going to have to go to drastic measures, and she um, disrobes. I just handed Andrew this volume so he can read it. <laughs> he, he was asking for porn earlier, so I'm like, here. Here, read the 21st, oh but okay. Oh, dear. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> what the... <laughs> he draws panties so detailed. <laughs> no, he's very oh, good dear. at it. Oh, yes, dear. look at all that Toriyama. detail. Anyway, um, so she's a very... I'll be right um, back with this. <laughs> Sit down. Oh. <laughs> she's a character who uses uh, sort of wiles to get what she wants. And it's a character who basically is about using her femininity in, as, a, as a weapon in itself. And, and that is in a, a, a very stereotypical thing right there. And she's kind of a throwaway character because I don't yeah. think she appears after this arc. I don't think so either. Some of the other characters came back for you know, you know, early to, bouts in later Badokai, but... And, and to die. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> killed by Piccolo's henchmen. But yeah. I don't think she did. I don't think so either, but I could very well be wrong. In, in essence, she's... Yeah. She, she's... Her entire role is the idea that she's a girl. Right. And then, and then you have lunch. Yay! Technically, I mean, in English, starts with an L, but in it's Danchi in Japanese. And, and so this is Muten Roshi wanting Goku and Kirin to bring back a girl. And that's who they find. And she does sort of become this sort of object of obsession with poor Kamisenin. And <laughs> of course, it never works out in his favor. And, and, that, and that seems interesting, too, is that another trope in all these anime, it's okay to have a perverted old man as long as he's never, you know, successful in <laughs> getting what he wants. Because then it would be really creepy. It would. And then they would have to draw the police officers. And <laughs> it's just a lot of work for the animators. Then Ryo-san would show up and he'd be like, you're illegally parked inside lunch. And then we're going to move on. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't want to hear that. That was quick. Oh. i got to admit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank no, you. I was thrown off guard. If you totally Ugh. missed that joke, you have to listen to episode uh, 43 to hear about the Kochikame stuff. Ugh. Did I totally derail your lunch discussion, or was there nothing left anyways? I think I'm going to lose my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Julian with the return on it. Ooh. Man. Ugh. That was good, too. No, seriously, is that it for lunch? Yeah. Okay. Um, <sighs> that's it for the R female characters, isn't it? Um, I think two basically. is enough. Yeah. yeah. I think they're the only two R. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we had a really nice intellectual conversation about, you know, Japan and society and gender roles. And Mary wants to completely ruin that by talking about her top five list. That's right. Mary, your top five list this week is... Is going to be setting back my gender a couple decades. I did not suggest this. This was totally you. You messaged me today. You're like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do because it's easy. And when it comes from a female, it doesn't sound sexist. And I can't wait to do the screen caps. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Oh, because I'm a little gay like that. All right. We got the top five hottest women of Dragon Ball. I can't believe we're doing this. Hey, we gotta... <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna put this in the description so when it shows up on iTunes, it's like, all you see, the hottest women <laughs> in DBZ. We are smut now. We got another two billion listeners from that. Let's just get into it. Number five. Number five is a very specific version of a character. That's what I figured. Yeah, I knew you thought I would go there. And I'm going there. It's a 23rd Budokai version of Chi-Chi, where she's a older teenager, she's angry, she's got this cool hatred going on and yet like we discussed before she sees goku and after getting over her anger she decides to latch on to him and it's very cute it is and, and she she's a good fighter too and not as a mother not as a j milf no you know what i actually wanted to discuss that she's not a milf no she's She'll not hurt she, you she's not a very hot mom i'm afraid just like everyone else in the series is they sure. don't want to get near that right so that's why i picked 23rd budokai All right. We'll move on to number four. Four is just going on the skank factor. I hope you picked a specific version of this character, too, because otherwise it would be even more pedophilia than it already is. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm talking about bra from GT. I love bras. (laughs) Me too. They are great and easy to wear. Um, (laughs) The line is they're comfy and easy to wear. Oh, sorry. Bras are comfy and easy to wear. Right. I thought they'd get in the way. But this is a character. A character named bra, which, for the record... Not Bola, 
Not this bull of bullshit. You heard me. Her name is Bra. Damn it. If you're a young male and you're watching GT, why would you not want to say Bra? I don't understand. Why would a young boy not want to be able to type out the word Bra and not get in trouble for it over and over? It's like, well, mommy, I'm not talking about ladies' underpants. I'm talking about a character. Shut your mouth. I'm talking about Bra. <laughs> so yeah, she's mostly on this list because it's fun to say her name and she wears uh, really skanky clothes in GT. Yeah, that's I don't about think it. there's not much else to um, her. There's really but, nothing. But then to again, her. there's there's the issue of how many years after Z is GT anyway. That's true. Um, is yeah. it five or ten? I thought it was ten. Yeah, there's evidence for both sides. Five is not enough. Even ignoring what Funimation says, I always thought it was either seven or ten. No, seven is the Busaga number. Okay, then it has to be ten. Says Mary. And Mary is gospel, That's so right. there you go. Is there anything else to say about her? You just like her because she looks skanky in GT? <laughs> well, she also is uh, responsible for having Vegeta shaving his mustache, so she's kind of used to So there. she made a good move there. Yeah. She helped GT at least a little bit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Stylistically, she's there for fashion and fashion choices. Good decision. Number three. Number three is lunch just because she's badass. She's fun. She looks good wearing a little frilly bit of lingerie, but she also looks good with her army pants and tank top with a gun. As far as I can tell, there is only one pose and one drawing ever of nice lunch. And that's the one where she's like touching her boobs. (laughs) No, there's... Well, yeah, I guess that is it. (laughs) she's 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 really good between breakfast and dinner, I find the best time wow you understand things (laughs) fantastic but where do these names come from bra and lunch puns they're puns he's obsessed with food with women's underwear (laughs) and then let's not forget chi chi which you could either say mexican restaurant or i think it means something else in Spanish. It doesn't mean Mexican restaurant. <laughs> you never went to Chi-Chi's? Yes, but that's not what it means. It's slang for breastesses. Well, it's a great restaurant. It is. I agree. <laughs> and great breasts. Oh, Mary, you're the one making the sexist joke. <laughs> Sorry. What I... else about lunch? No, nothing. She's just really good comedy relief, and I uh, like her. All right. Number two. Number two is probably obvious. It's 18. The one without a name pun. <laughs> yeah. She's the android. And she's hot. And she kicks ass. You know, she's the stereotypical kick-ass hot girl of the show. Did you just give her a theme song? (laughs) Yeah, I think I did. She's the android. (laughs) And her name's 18. But don't you think they objectify her? They don't even bother giving her a name, just a number. Well, that's part of the character originally. And it's it's made a joke out of later on. Oh, what's your name? Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Forgot about that. I did, too. That's awesome. There's a... I think Maggie talked about this way back when, when we had her on. We were talking about the Jinzonigen. How, especially over in Japan, there's this huge subculture of Jinzonigen fans who like to talk about their past history and who they were, what their names might have been, what kind of people they were. That's pretty interesting. They're probably delinquents. Exactly. That seems mm-hmm. to be what the consensus is. Yeah, I can buy that. But what about the 18 that we see? What else do you like about her? I like her changing character, as we discussed before, how she goes to being a mom and... You know, she kind of tries to act badass, but she's kind of mellowing out on the inside. So I like that. She's got some fashion sense. Yeah. She changed her outfit a few times. And a few outfits. Mm. You know, she was smart enough to know they looked bad on her. That's true. Unlike the next character on my list. (laughs) Did did she ever wear a skirt? Yeah. A cowgirl skirt. Oh, yeah. That's right. She did. That's the outfit that she didn't like. That's right. Why do you ask? Well, don't they have to wear skirts to be hot on the list? Mary, number one. (laughs) Number one is hot. Um... We kind of, you know, talked about her in depth, and that's Bulma. You know, you don't have a top five list of hot characters without mentioning Bulma. She's been in the bunny suit. She's been in nothing. <laughs> Movie 13 Bulma. Oh, my God. Even fully clothed. There's the MILF hot. for me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, when it comes dear. to MILFs, Bulma's number one. I don't know what it is Arc. about older Bulma, but I-, I don't care about the younger ones. There's something about the sophisticated Bulma that it's I really cigarette. like. I don't no, like smoking, like... but she looks sophisticated with what? the cigarette. Is there something you need to tell us? What, that I like older women? Well, that Mary is older than he is. It's true. That's very true. I like I'm young and fresh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think Mary's the worst offender this episode. <laughs> That's why I chose to have this list. Figure it would be not as offensive coming from a girl. And I'm sure it's something everyone out there would like to hear. I suppose that's true. Bulma? Yeah. Hot? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Anything else? Um, bad hairstyle choices. Not the fashion expert. No. But 
overall. Well, could you she, say that Toriyama's just not the fashion expert? Oh, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> at least at certain points in time, he recognized, maybe the fro ain't working for you, honey. Um, Let's switch that up a little let's bit. Let's check it back a little bit, honey. Yes. <laughs> but she knows how to work what she's got. That's why she's number one. Fantastic. Now, maybe next week we'll try to do something a little um less top five hottest women. It had to be done eventually. It Come did. on. I, I know, I know. There's only so many female characters, so, you know, got to give the little fanboys a treat. I got ideas for future top five lists. Oh, good, because my brain's uh, shriveling up. And I'm running out of ideas. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you more. Thank you, Master. Not, not on the show, because then it'll ruin the surprise. But we're going to move on, because now it's time for releases. Yay, releases. Coming out, well, September's pretty much over. And then we have October. Um, There's only one thing coming out in October. And it's only coming out in Japan. That is Sparking Neo coming out for the Japanese BS2. It is coming out on October 5th for 7,140 yen. Ooh. And that's going for $64.90 over on Play Asia. The Wii version is set uh, for quarter one, 2007. Pretty much January is what they're shooting for. If you're looking for the U.S. version, you're going to have to wait almost another month. More than another month, actually. November 7th. They're looking at $39.95 over in the U.S. But uh, we're getting the Japanese version a month early. I've had mine on pre-order for months and months and months. How much is the U.S. version? $40. It's not a lot cheaper? Yes. So you can't wait a month? Well, here's the thing. The... American version of the last game didn't have the Japanese music in it. Oh. And that's a big thing for this game because it's actually from the TV series. Yeah, normally they don't take the music from the show. They usually just make new music. But in this series, they use music from the show. So it kind of has that feel of you're playing the show, right. which is pretty neat. Now, they did have an option for Japanese voices in the American release of the last game. And we're pretty much assuming that they do on this one as well. I can't remember if anyone's actually confirmed it one way or the other. But, um... That'll be interesting. I have the Japanese PS2. I get the Japanese version of every game now. Okay. Because it makes the system purchase, you know, more fulfilling. And I like to pretend that I can, you know, navigate menus and stuff. You just want it before everyone else does. That too. Well, it also <laughs> serves a purpose for this podcast. It does. We got to get the information out there. That's right. It's my job. It is my job to spend $70 on <laughs> Japanese game for you, for the listener. And also for me, because, you know, I'll just... Because you're a fanboy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we can say all that about the game, because that's the only thing coming out in October. So there's your one release. If you can play import PS2 games, grab it. Otherwise, you got to wait another month. Um, emails? Emails. We're going to do two emails this episode. And these have been sitting in our inbox for a very, very long time. I didn't look at the date on them, but they're old. So if you've sent an old email, maybe this is going to be you. First one's coming to us from Eric Kelly in Jefferson, Ohio. And here's what Eric has to say. I was watching movie eight the other day, in Japanese, of course. I noticed something unusual in the dialogue at the beginning of the scene where Bulma and her family, Trunks, Mutenoroshi, Oolong, and Kududin are having a picnic. It's when Kududin is singing that awful song. Or is he just bad? And everyone says their two cents about his quote-unquote style. And Mutenoroshi in his drunken state says something like, Best of all, Japan. It is this that bothers me, because I was under the assumption that the dragon world doesn't conform to reality. I love that phrase. The dragon world doesn't conform to reality. <laughs> I love it. So, that a place like Japan, or even the character's knowledge of it, seems unusual. So I would like to know, is if there is indeed a Japan in the dragon world, or if it's just a screw-up. That always bugged me, too. Me, too. About that scene. I've Have never... we talked about this on the podcast I don't before? think so. We might have. Maybe just in passing. But yeah, it's... uh. It's a very irritating fanboy kind of thing to notice, or fangirl in your case. There is not a Japan in the Dragon World. There's there are different sectors and you know north, south, east areas. But I don't think they necessarily have countries. Right. No, they don't really. They've got like Papaya Island. That's its own little place. So they have locations, but not right. nations, right? The way we know them. So the fact that he blurred out "Best of All Japan" is kind of you know jarring. Yeah, you know what I think. What's that? I think because Roshi's drunk, he's just spitting something out there. He doesn't know what he's talking <laughs> I about. I think that's a fantastic explanation. <laughs> I like that. It's the one that makes the most sense. It does. And that means we don't have to 
further think about things. If you just equate it to alcohol, you can answer every question that anyone ever sends us. Whether it's the characters <laughs> under the influence or us, it's fantastic. I love it. Or Toriyama. It. Or Toriyama. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we have another email here. This one's from Star One Five Five One Zero Six, and Mary's going to read it because okay, okay. I said so. Thank you. Because that's what the woman does. Oh, I read. She talks for a while, and then at a certain point in the podcast, she just turns into an email reader, and that's all she can do. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'd kick you in the nuts. Okay. For a while, I've held the opinion that DBZ in Japan wasn't made for children, until looking at a few editorials on the net that say it was targeted for children in Japan, but that other age groups were watching it as well, like teens and young adults, possibly older. Now I've come to the conclusion that Japanese DBZ was made to be something kids could enjoy, but has elements to make it appeal to older audiences, like our Batman the Animated Series, and that Funimation made it to look... Uh, like a show that only kids could enjoy. Would you agree with this opinion? Well, we actually talked about what shonen is earlier. Shonen literally means young boys, young boy, young boys, and uh, Dragon Ball Shonen. That's who it's targeted towards. Now, you can make anything that appeals to a wide variety of people. Dragon Ball happens to be one of those things. We're in our mid-20s, or early to mid-20s, and we still enjoy it. But let's be honest. Dragon Ball came out. It was not being targeted towards a 25-year-old person. Right. I wouldn't even say it was targeted towards teens. I think the Funimation version kind of went out its out of its way to target it towards teens. I kind of disagree with this person's statement. I think the original version is kind of more kiddie version, despite That's it being true. more violent. They, they, they brought on, especially... In the early, well, not like early, the mid early 2000s, let's say. Yeah, I <laughs> Bringing think... on like these grunt, like not grunge, but like new metal bands for their American soundtracks to the movies, for example. They were doing, making an effort to try to get like, like boys going into high school almost. Ones who were starting to maybe outgrow what they considered to be, you know, foolish yeah. cartoon. You know what? I think the way that Funimation started it, they were trying to make it into that young kids show. And it inadvertently did not end up that way. And then they kind of went with that as it went onwards, started using the new metal stuff and all those kind of bands and pumping up the language a little bit. It's like they were trying to follow that audience very forcefully, whereas the original seemed to do a little more naturally as it went on. Well, you know, being released weekly exactly. over 10 years is a lot more fluid than, you know, pumping them out a lot in spurts. <laughs> and never in order. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shows poor treatment. But, I, go ahead. And I would say from the from the Japanese side about the target audience is it's definitely towards kids. But you have to remember, kids grow up. Right. And not everyone grows out of it. And so you still right. have people that follow like it. Us. And not only that, but um, sometimes you have... Mothers would watch it with their children if they're stay-at-home mothers. I, for example, I remember my mother. My mother can tell you everything there is about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it's it's not because she loves them. It's because I always watched it, and we had one TV when I was growing up, and so she always watched it. And I saw that. I saw that in Japan actually when I was uh, going out with some coworkers, and we all got really drunk, and we were at a hostess bar actually. And one of the female coworkers who has two children. Um, that's did so the Dragon Ball theme song to karaoke? That's awesome. And she's and she's in her her mid thirties. So I mean, yeah, older people are aware, perfectly aware of it. Were you going to talk about your mom? Oh, I was just going to say my mom knows about Dragon Ball because you know she'd watch it over my shoulder, mostly because she wasn't sure what this crazy Japanese stuff was. She wanted to make sure I wasn't watching porn or anything. And when she, she saw that, Rama, that, she, she thought Rama was porn. <laughs> yeah, that was not the, Can the best thing her? to make as my first anime <laughs> or one of my first anime. How did we get to the parents enjoying things? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I brought it up. Oh, way to go! Yeah, it's. It's not a show for adults, but it's something that anyone can enjoy just because it has those magical charms to it. So did we answer the question? I mean, look at all the merchandise that came out in Japan. I always love to bring up the superpower desk. You don't have anyone that's not in middle school or even younger sitting at the Dragon Ball Z superpower desk. Children's eye drops. What else is there? I think you pretty much nailed it with those yeah. two. Well, and it's not like we don't have this in the U.S. I mean, no, you go no. to any Disney movie totally. and they're... Obviously targeted towards kids, but they they throw in these adult jokes here and there, so yeah. Go right the parents over their have heads. something to laugh at. Yeah. yeah. Did Dragon Ball ever do that? I think Dragon Ball was around before the concept of pandering to adults here and there. We need to have a generational, in general, talk kinda, about Dragon we Ball. We kind of went in depth a little bit. We did. I want to bring on old people. 
Oh, yeah. And I want to bring in very, very young people and sit them all around a table. And then watch them fight to the death. You kids! Get off my lawn! <laughs> Back in my day, we had unsubtitled on Betamax. We liked it. We, we used to have to draw our own Dragon Ball page by page and then flip it in a book. <laughs> we downloaded the scripts from Gopher and then we drew the manga. It was the Back fun. in my day, Japan was an enemy. When did we have to watch the shows that they make? Oh, man, that would be a real interesting conversation to have. Yeah. It wouldn't relate to Dragon Ball at all, but it'd still be fun. Hey, that ends like, emails. Yeah. Um, well, before we finish up the show, we have to reiterate the contest one more time. Actually, is this episode going to be out before the end of the contest? No, it won't be. No, it will be. <laughs> I'm so confused because we're recording early and I'm like, wait a minute. When is this episode going to come out? Yeah, it's the 19th now. And this episode is going to come out on the 24th. And the contest ends on the 29th. So, yes, we can talk about the contest for one more week. Contest. Awesome. We are giving away a copy of Super Dragon Ball Z for the American PS2, courtesy of Filter Magazine, and they gave us a t-shirt too, and it's awesome. Super Saiyan 3 Gotenks. So very cool. We want to give this to you, but you have to do something for us. All you have to do is write an email to contest at dizex.com. But there has to be some content in this email. Um, We want you to get creative with us. That poor Mr. Satan, he's been in a couple of video games here and there, but he can't fly, he can't do jack shit. They throw a jetpack on his back and an exploding Game Boy, but uh, that's about it. He has no actual projectiles or key attacks or anything. He farts. That that could be a projectile <laughs> if it's a wet one. <laughs> but um, You could stick something in there to make it a projectile. That's very true. I don't think they've gone that far yet. So, in Super DBZ, it's possible to give a key attack to another character. So, picture, if you will, Cell doing a Masenko or some crazy shit like that. But Cell would be able to do that stuff anyways. That's, Shh, that's a bad analogy, Mary. Okay, okay. How about, you know what? That's all you can do. We gotta move on. Okay. So, using that as our basis, if you could give Mr. Satan one key-based attack, what would it be? And why? What purpose? What would he do? Make it funny. Make it work. Make it me laugh. Make me cry. <laughs> one offensive key-based attack, and it has to be from the series, pre-existing. We want to know, what would you give him? Why? It's gotta be. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be creative. We're gonna pick one winner, and we're gonna give them the game and the T-shirt, and uh, that'll be pretty awesome. So send your email to contest at dizex.com. That is C-O-N-T-E-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com by September 29th at 12 noon Eastern time, and uh, we'll pick a winner, and we'll announce it on that weekend's podcast, and also on the website. Go over to the website. We have uh, screen caps and all the. Uh, information you need about the contest if you happen to need more information about it check that out we only have one other rule really and if you write hercule in your email it is promptly deleted and you will not win because that's not what his name is what if you use it in a funny context like there's a story and then someone somehow works hercule in there while still referring to him as mr satan like he writes a herculean effort doing something well, see, now it won't be funny because you just said it, and I've already heard it. Oh. So way to yeah. ruin someone's entry. Well, I just didn't want anyone to get disqualified. I see. You, you, I'm looking out for your listeners. That's true. Someone so don't write it that part. because he's anal about things that don't make any sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> Super DBZ, we're giving it away. Free. Best game of the summer. Best game of the decade. That's how it um. works. <laughs> That's a bit of a loaded dialogue. (laughs) I really enjoyed the game. (laughs) Time to end the episode. Okay. So we're going to be in Atlanta. By the time you hear this, we'll be back from Atlanta. But we've already recorded the episode. So hopefully the trip was great. Hopefully we got there alive. Hopefully we came back alive. Hopefully I didn't throw up on two dozen people on an elevator this year. (laughs) It was only two and it was an escalator. Oh, (laughs) so this was episode 44 we'll be back with 45 next week we are quickly approaching the one year can you believe that doesn't feel like it i know no it doesn't i feel like i've come so far i mean i've been to japan and back i'm a senior in college oh my god where's your life (laughs) headed 
Oh, poor Julian. He's a yes. kid. He's only 21. <laughs> yes, a, a, He's a got kid. some growing up to do. <laughs> what are you talking about? You haven't grown up since you finished college. That's irrelevant. <laughs> In fact, I don't think you've grown one bit since high school. Well, possibly middle school. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to say goodbye to you now. All right. Have fun in Hotlanta. We, we shall. And oh, win stuff. Um, okay, if you say so. And I want to hear any vomit stories you have. You will absolutely hear any vomit right, stories awesome. that happen. So, Andrew, goodbye to you. You have absolutely nothing to plug. You don't really do anything. I don't do anything. You kind of show up here from time to time, and we'll probably throw down some Street Fighter. All right, awesome. Well, you tell me, like, hey, come over tonight, and then you're like, oh, here's a microphone, you're on. <laughs> well, we had to record tonight, because now I have to edit tomorrow, because I have tomorrow off, and then the podcast will be done when I come back, and I'll come back on Sunday, and everything will be done, and I can just go, ah, and that's how it'll work. Well, I'll be doing that uh. all week. Okay. <laughs> Jerk face. Mary, we'll say goodbye to you now. All right. You're Mary. That I am. You're from Temple of Trunks. Oh, my God. It feels so cool to say that. Mary from Temple of Trunks. I haven't heard that in years, man. Uh, Back when I updated it. I'm so true. sorry. And now you're just Mary from the Dysentu EX podcast. That's more what I feel like. <laughs> oh. oh, for me, you're still just Mary from the block. <laughs> Mary from the block. Oh, God. <sighs> Mary, spell Temple of Trunks for us. All right. I get better and better each week. T-E-M-P-L-E-O-T-R-U-N-K-S dot com. That's templetrunks.com. Um, still not updated since April and beyond. Hey, we, we'll have a new video to put up after oh AWA. Oh my god, I still have last year's videos I need to put up, <laughs> so I need to do a 2005-2006 AMV update. <laughs> there you so, go. ouch. There you go. Hey, look forward to it. It's a Dragon Ball video. Mary oh my and god, I did that's it right. together. So there's Dragon Ball content for you on both sites. Fantastic. Speaking of both sites, there's another one called Dizenshu EX. You may be familiar with it. Oh, yes. Julian, that, uh, where can you find it? That can be found at Hypertext Transfer Protocol colon slash slash triple W dot D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com. That's Dizex dot com. Yes, it is. And uh, we had a day that our host was like getting DDoSed or something, but it's back up. No problems. So the site's cool. And it's there. And make awesome. sure you type that Z because I typed an S once and you do not want to know what popped up. Oh, it, it's true. It bro. exists. I'm not, I'm not going to put a link to that in the show notes, though. It's one of those things you'll have to remember. <laughs> and just do it for No, please I, don't I, really remember. they won't be that curious. <laughs> Let's hope not. So that's, uh, that's the end of episode 44. As my outline says, the women's. With a Z. With a Z. <laughs> I am Mike Labrie. Vegito EX. And for uh, Deluxe over here. Peace out, player. <laughs> yeah. Okay, is that my turn? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it my turn? <laughs> no. Who's I'm not supposed to say anything. Is it? So for, uh, so for you, for Mary. No one speaks for me. That's his line. Oh, if you say so. That's my line? That's what you said last time. Yeah, no one speaks for me. <laughs> I speak for myself. Uh, both of your mics are off. For for you, so you can no longer crack awful jokes. For Julian, also from Tizenshu EX, I think I already said who I am. Mike Labrie, Vegito EX, and I, I. There's nothing dark, no dim. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> I like your mom, and it's no fad. I want to marry her and be your dad. I like your mom. <laughs> 大前週EXポテカスト今週も聞いてくださってありがとうございます海賊王に俺はなる。Welcome to Daisenshuex the podcast an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site Daishen <laughs> Sorry I fucked that up. <laughs> I'm not I don't think I could be a newscaster. I'll try that again. <laughs>